So the fifth area that the Buddha talked about where we might relate to it uh, in a way that brings suffering is the knowing itself. And what does that mean, the, you know, the knowing itself? So one aspect of mindfulness that I mentioned during the sit actually is the knowing that we know, you know this sense that we can know that we are aware. Um, we have this capacity to be aware, to know, to be mindful, to bring attention, to have consciousness. And I definitely don't want to get into a technical distinction between all those different things. Although some people have attempted that. Instead, uh, we can just appreciate that this aspect of knowing is part of the total experience that we have. And we can, like anything else, bring attention to it, bring attention to the fact that we are knowing at this moment. In the teaching that we're studying this week, this um, knowing function is called consciousness. So I haven't used the word up to now, but um, this set of five is called the five aggregates or the five khandas. And these are the things that uh, the Buddha identified as the areas where we form our identity. So they consist of form, which I use, which means the material world. I use the body, but form, feeling, perception, mental fabrications, and consciousness. Those are the areas around which we will orient our sense of self. So this teaching is all over the suttas. It's a very common one, but not, you know, maybe not so often connected with. It sounds distant, but I hope you've seen through this week that it's very pragmatic. It's right here. So what about this consciousness? You know, what does that mean that we would relate to it or identify with, with it in a way that brings suffering? I think I don't want to get into a lot of detail on that, except to say that we do actually have some choice about consciousness, like all the aggregates. And one area that we have some choice about how to relate to the knowing or to use the knowing is in the, what we might call the size of consciousness. So let's try it. Um, consider, put your attention in your, one of your hands. You don't have to hold it up or anything. Just you, know, just, you can do that. You can direct attention. It's one of the abilities that we have. So feel one of your hands. And now, as you get that sense, you know, not looking at it, but feeling it from the inside. Oh, this is a hand. I, I have awareness in this hand. Now change so that your awareness is only in your index finger. Just narrow it down so you mostly feel the index finger. And now can you mostly feel the tip just under the nail, the very tip of your index finger. And then maybe the interface between the flesh of the finger and the nail. Can you feel that connection between the two of them because they are different substances? I don't know how easy that was, but we can see that attention can become increasingly smaller. You can even go in meditation, uh, you can get very skilled at looking through the body, this finer and finer attention to the point where, you know, people will report of almost a cellular awareness of, the, of a tiny little piece of the body. And when attention is so small, it still feels like it's as big as the universe. It's very interesting. Um, 
And then we can go the other way. So you can make attention very large, make it as large as the room. Just do that right now. So extend out, be aware of the walls on each side and in front and behind you. And place your attention on those walls. Just notice the color of them, for example. And now go a little wider. Imagine that you can encompass the whole house or space that you're in. And why not your neighborhood? With imagination and actually some extension of the energy out. I don't know how big you want to go, but again, the mind can get larger and larger. So this can actually help us reduce suffering. If our awareness has gotten very contracted around something, we can have some choice about making it larger and allowing whatever issue we have to be a small thing in the middle of a big awareness. Similarly, if things are feeling overwhelming, collapse your attention down. Just feel your hands cutting the orange that you're making for yourself, whatever. You have some choice about consciousness. This is an area where we can, can work. So I think it's clear from this week that the key really is training the mind. And that is where, uh, that's where the suffering happens and that's where the suffering stops. So in fact, the Buddha said, practitioners, I do not see a single thing that when it is developed is so very beneficial as the mind. A developed mind is very beneficial. No other thing is more beneficial than a developed mind. It's something to take in. Consider that. You know, what is your real refuge, especially in times like this? So this series is called The Dawn of Dharma. And uh, there are, uh, I was inspired by an image that's used repeatedly throughout the suttas um, of the dawn. I'll just read one example of it. The Buddha says, Practitioners, this is the forerunner and precursor of the rising of the sun, that is, the dawn. So too, for a practitioner, this is the forerunner and precursor of the arising of the breakthrough to the Four Noble Truths, that is, right view. It is to be expected that a practitioner with right view will understand as it really is, this is suffering, this is the origin of suffering, this is the cessation of suffering, and this is the way leading to the cessation of suffering. So the, the Buddha makes an analogy between the dawn being the first light that we see with the inevitable rising of the sun, because that's what happens after the dawn. It has to follow. And similarly, if we have wise view or a correct understanding of things, we have to reach the breakthrough to awakening. It just has to follow. Um, so it's a powerful analogy. And he uses it again and again. I just gave one example, but this dawn analogy is also used for the arising of the seven factors of awakening, of the five spiritual faculties of the Eightfold Path. All the good qualities of the Dharma are put into this little formula uh, with something that is their precursor. It's a very interesting study. Um, so I might make up my own general version of this uh, based on knowing all these suttas and say that the dawning of engagement with the Dharma, you know, with meditation practice and with study, 
is the forerunner and precursor of experiencing the fruits of practice. They don't come if you don't engage, and if you do engage, they have to come. It's one of those few things that's very definite and clear in the teachings. We don't know when or how, but there is that, um, that uh, result, shall we say. So may your practice be engaged and fruitful. Please keep meditating and please learn the teachings. That's what we offer at ISC, and that inevitably brings fruits in time. So I'll stop there and ask if anyone would like to, um, to ask a question. You can raise your hand or just unmute yourself if no one is speaking at that time. And go ahead and speak. Too early. Oh, I do see a little note in the chat that says, um, I don't see the Donna info. Oh, that was a private message to me. That's okay. I'll say it uh, out loud in case somebody else couldn't either. Uh, you get to the chat box by just moving your mouse on the screen and then the little um, bar appears at the bottom. And uh, one of the things at the bottom uh, says chat. And you click on that and the chat window appears and the um, Donna information has been posted there. It's not in the chat box for some reason. Oh, if you joined after I typed it in, you probably can't see the chats that happened before that. That's interesting. I'll put it in again. So um, questions, comments? Is there a place to read, like, okay, I mean, obviously I know there's places to read about this, but is there some good source for sort of a very simple summary of the things that you talked the five aggregates i mean yeah yeah so um abby's asking i think probably everyone heard about sources for starting to look some of this up um there's a wonderful resource called sutta central that's one word suttacentral.org i believe it is um, and you can look in there. Um, also, if you're looking for a book that very nicely summarizes the main teachings of all the suttas, there's one that Bhikkhu Bodhi wrote called, um, what is it called? It's called What the, 
mm, what the Buddha taught, something like that. Um, and it's excerpts of suttas arranged in a particular way, because the way they are in the actual sutta books is not um, necessarily in a special order. So he arranges it somewhat and um, gives sutta uh, quotes. Anyways, the one by Bhikkhu Bodhi, there are other similarly titled books, but I would really recommend Bhikkhu Bodhi's. Um, and of course, if we can ever get back to Inside Santa Cruz, all the uh, actual sutta texts are in the library. We have a um, not a totally complete Pali canon, but the, all the suttas we do have. The big sutta books, yeah. Don't have the commentaries and all, we don't have all of one collection, all of the Kudaka Nikaya. But it's good, there's lots available and um, the English translation is pretty good in our tradition. Oh, I see some people, oh, it's sudacentral.net, thank you. Um, some people have been putting uh, things in the chat. Here, I'll, I'll write the spelling of Bhikkhu Bodhi. That one's close that the person put in there. They, ah. Your faces indicate that you're all looking busily at things online. So um, we may be uh, we may be finished for today. Then, does anyone have any additional comments or questions? And otherwise, we'll say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yes, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for your practice. It's been lovely to see everyone's in the morning. And um, please do stay in touch and. Be engaged with your practice and we'll have, I'm sure, much more coming out of Inside Santa Cruz to support everyone. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.